And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com. Joined as always by my colleague Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and True Specs Chris McCormick. Guys, what's going on? What's going hey, on, Jay? How are you? Everybody's everybody's on the road or has been on the road. I know Tursky and I are back. We were we were at different locations across the country. Chris, I, it sounds like you're you're in a like battle zone. Where where are you this week? <laughs> I am uh, I am currently in a construction zone for our newest studio that's going to be coming online next month. I don't know if I can disclose the location or not, but it is uh, it is definitely going to be a pretty sweet spot. We can confirm Southeast. that it's loud in the construction zone for sure. Yeah, there's there's loud confirmation. <laughs> Southeast, let's just put it just put it that way. Area where they play lots of golf. Yeah. Maybe maybe yep. a big tournament coming up. I don't know. Maybe a big maybe a big tournament coming up. Maybe. We'll, we'll Cannot confirm or deny. I think they have a big end of the year tournament too, don't they? Or end of the season down there? Maybe. Maybe. Rumors. 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 Lots of rumors. <laughs> so Chris is Chris is in an undisclosed location. Tursky, you were you were with uh, with Callaway early in the week. I made I made you take a last minute trip out uh, out to San Diego. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, that was about as last to? minute as it gets. But um, yes, yeah, Very I was last out. Minute. I was out kind of near San Diego, Rancho Santa Fe, at the Farms Golf Club with some LPGA players. Uh, we were talking gear. I think we'll get into that in a little bit. But had a lot of fun out there. Beautiful golf course too. Yeah, for sure. I was uh, back on the road. It's it's been a while since I've been at a PGA Tour event. So it was nice to get back out there. Had a chance to spend a few days in Austin at beautiful Austin Country Club for the match play, get a chance to look through some bags. Totally different, as Tursky's talked about, setup from from what we're used to. Can't go inside the ropes. You need that that uh, telephoto lens, for sure, to capture photos of, of what guys are playing, because it's, <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, you're, you're taking photos from clear across the green as guys are rolling putts just to try and uh, see what they're using. But yeah, see, fun you thought I was Austin. lying. You thought I, I was I lying about it. I thought you were lying. I thought, I thought you were <laughs> you're making a bigger story than what, than what it really was. But nope, it's it a grind is, out there. It is a different scene, a different yep. scene for sure. So, but yeah, good to be back out there. But you know, we're gonna go through Tursky being a Callaway. Uh, I'll give you a rundown here on Austin. One of the topics I wanted to start off with is is an interesting one. We covered it in this week's Gear Notes with wall to wall. Ricky Fowler making a couple of. <sighs> And I don't want to say they were interesting changes, but, you know, considering, you know, what Fowler has been doing recently, I, I think these are some changes that amateur golfers are, were probably certainly nodding their heads as, as I kind of did a rundown on them. Fowler changes from the Cobra RF Pro to Rev 33, the blades that he actually helped design with Cobra switches to a cavity back version of the King Forged. And he also does a, a very interesting change here, one that I don't think we rarely see. At least it's not really highly publicized out on tour. He switched from Cobra's Rad Speed Driver to the Rad Speed XB. That's the one with the back bias weighting that gives it a bit more forgiveness. You know, pretty, pretty, I guess I would say slightly oversized profile. And again, why is Fowler making these changes? He's looking to get more forgiveness. And that's that's something that we we rarely hear tour pros talk about. You know, if they're making changes, they're usually looking for something pretty granular. I mean, this is this is like a change that a lot of amateur golfers struggle with. Is you know, I want to play well. Sometimes that means you might have to go to a slightly more forgiving profile if you're if you're kind of struggling with with overall strike consistency. I mean, Chris, I'm sure this is something that you see a lot when when golfers come into true spec. You know, I'm sure you see a lot of golfers who come in with irons that maybe are, you know, not geared for their, you know, handicap. You know, maybe, maybe they're better off playing something with a little bit of a larger profile. No, that's absolutely right. You always get the player that comes in that, that wants to hit the blade that, you know, maybe one, two out of ten can hit the blade. But when it comes to longevity and practical application to hitting better golf shots and shooting better scores, those those particular types of clubs are just not conducive to consistently scoring well for the average player. I mean, even for the better than average player, if you're not on your game and a really good solid ball striker, it's 
it's just more punishment than it is actual help. Yeah. They do look it's, nice, though. <laughs> they do look nice. They look really nice. And, and look, Ricky Fowler's one of the best ball strikers on the planet. But He's it just been goes on the struggle you, bus recently. He has been on let's the struggle bus. Let's call it bus. like it is. Say, He's been playing terrible. He he's again great ball striker, but every you know all players go through go through stretches where they're going to struggle. You know some guys try and and do it by just making making you know minor tweaks to their current setup. Fowler went went larger. He went went to a you know cavity back profile in the iron, slightly larger profile in, in the driver. It's and it's it's not something that he's gonna gonna shy away from. You know he's the kind of guy he's he's gonna admit like he's. He's struggling right now. He's trying to trying to find it. So you, you might as well make some some bigger changes and see if they work. It's interesting though with the driver that Rad Speed XB. It was the it wasn't just the standard driver. It was that one that they did in the collaboration with the Palm Tree Crew had the had the gold face on it. I actually thought that was a pretty cool collaboration that they did, and they they released it at Players the the week prior. Fowler didn't play it that week, but he plays. He ended up playing it the week after. I thought that was interesting. There was another, if you go and you look um, and I'll see, I'll post some pictures of, of his driver from last week and the week prior, but you'll notice there is a lot of lead tape. There's the so much lead tape caked on that driver. Oh it, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. The, the new XB head has lead tape all over the sole and a lot of it's positioned closer to the face and kind of running along the the heel and the toe sections on the sole. And I, I was, I had to ask Ben Shome and Cobra's tour rep, like what the heck's going on here is, is Fowler like trying to do something with the, you know, the spin characteristics flight. What, what, what's the deal? He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let Ben do any internal stuff with, with the rack glue. So, so, Fowler just decided to go with lead tape on the outside and it's, you know, he used the whole roll of lead tape on the bottom of his driver. It's, it looks That's like a happened. lot, but it was, it was actually around 11 grams. So it's, it's, we're not, it's not like an entire roll, maybe, maybe like half a roll, but say 11 but grams of lead tape is a lot. That's a lot. It is. It is a lot. It, I mean, I'll, I'll anyway, also I'll post some pictures on Instagram so everybody can see the changes, but that was like the first thing that stuck out to me. It wasn't the fact that it was like a different driver. I was just looking at the lead tape going, oh man, like that's like Scott Piercy and Phil Mickelson have to be pretty jealous of Ricky Fowler's driver. I mean, that's like, that's like a know. year's, that's like a I'm, year's worth of lead tape for, for Piercy. Scott Piercy really like, gets it going. I mean, one of his pitching wedges has more lead tape than they have in uh, the entire pro shop at some golf courses. I, mean, I guarantee seriously. you he has, he has stock in like a lead tape company. <laughs> One of those companies that, that makes all the lead tape for uh, it, he definitely does. I, I, can, I can promise you. But I, yeah. but I love the, uh, I love the changes that Fowler's been making because, or the specific changes that he made last week, because he's been really playing terrible. Like if you want to find Ricky Fowler's name on the leaderboard, you, you've been having to go like all the way down past the cut line. I mean, he made the cut last week and then he shoots eight over on Saturday it's like he just can't find the face, and you really got to go with that more forgiveness when you're not hitting the ball well. You know, it's it's one thing to play those those blades when you're absolutely striking it, but um, those Rev 33s, they're so small, and you really got to be precise with your ball striking. And if you're just not you're not sharp, you got to go with something more forgiving. And then the driver with all that lead tape, it's really built to be more forgiving. You know, you're throwing that weight low, you're throwing it back. Um, I think it's something that a lot of golfers should look at doing more forgiving irons and get that driver, uh, get that weight, super low, super back, make it more forgiving. Should point out that, that the lead tape on the sole has, has a purpose. It's not just trying to move internal geometry. It's also because Fowler plays a 44 and a half inch driver. Mm. So because he's playing shorter than standard, he needs the additional weight. And typically a lot of that was done internally, but, but this one, you can see it on the outside, which I kind of think is cool in, in this case, you know, it just kind of shows like where, like, where does Ricky Fowler typically have that rack glue placed inside his driver? There you go. It's, it's towards the front of the face and kind of there along the, the heel and the toe section. So um, yeah, it's uh it's, it's cool story just because again, it, it shows the tour pros, they struggle just like we do. 
and some of them end up having to go to slightly more forgiving products. It's, it's kind of the, the nature of the game. Some players just play more forgiving products just because they enjoy, you know, having a little bit more heel toe forgiveness when they're, when they're pounding driver. But, but in this case, Fowler was just looking for a little bit more off the heel and the toe. So that's an interesting one. Another interesting one, Persky, you, you got a lot of content from this, from this Callaway shoot. And, and we've talked about it before. You know, if you want to see what kind of setup you really should be playing, look at what the LPGA players are, are using. I mean, they're, again, they're very similar swing speeds to the average golfer. The, you, can, you can gain a lot more insights by, by kind of digging through their bags than you ever could digging through a PGA Tour player's bag. Absolutely. I've been on that, that train for a while, and I was uh, finally able to talk to some of these LPGA players about kind of their takes on gear, how they see amateurs, and kind of what the what the mistakes are that they make. Um, <laughs> and I'll kind of run through some of the quotes. Um, yeah, I did a bunch of different interviews with about seven different LPGA players, just kind of getting what, their takes. What was, what was the most interesting thing that that they said? Like, what was what was the? I mean, since you talked to so many of them, was there was there something that they were all kind of saying about? like a piece of gear or, or something that they do that really stuck out to you? Yeah. So I picked out some quotes from each of these, uh, each of these golfers and I'll kind of just go through them. Um, shout out to all these LPGA players. They were great, great sports getting on camera and, uh, talking about gear. Some of them know gear more than others. Um, but it was interesting. It's the they same way work... on the PGA tour. Yeah. 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 They all work with, uh, Barry Lida and they really put a lot of trust in, uh, in his fitting and they speak very highly of him which is great. But um, yeah, so I'll run through some of these quotes. Georgia Hall, I asked her the one gear mistake that, uh, that amateurs make. She said, maybe copying the pros too much and what driver they hit and thinking they can hit it as far as the pros. I think that's so telling. I mean, we ask a lot of the uh, PGA Tour players about this and it's like, yeah, I mean, don't look at what we play, really. I mean, that's their, that's their suggestion. And, and us as gearheads, we love looking at what they play. But maybe we shouldn't be playing what they what they do, you know? They play really heavy shafts, they play stiff shafts, they play well, Ricky just went back to something more forgiving, but you know, they, they play blades out there and maybe we shouldn't be looking to them, as we say. Um and Van Dam, she is uh she's quite the long hitter out there. And she has really, the most perfect swing in golf. I don't I, know, I don't really so, I, everybody says Adam Scott, that's great. Congratulations. Uh, th this she has the most perfect swing in golf it's insane how good it is i know it's uh, and she hits it really far too they yeah. were doing like a apex challenge to see who could hit it the highest and she was just ripping seven irons straight up in the air like 190 apex it was kind of really cool to watch but she has those, asked, she has that rory rory mcroy ball flight yeah 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 we we always talk about um you know, the importance of golf ball fitting and trying to find the right golf balls. And I asked her how long it took to get fit into the right golf ball. And she said she tested eight different models over a period of three weeks to find the right golf ball. I was like, whoa, you think, you know, you kind of get it dialed in with over a, a one or two day span. She took weeks. I thought that was pretty cool. That's um, pretty intense when you, when you think about it. I mean, we, we've stressed the importance. I mean, even Geez, even the the tour reps that we've had on on the podcast have stressed the importance of of fitting ball to. I'm sure she did a lot of a lot of short game testing too, but just the importance of fitting ball to ball to putter, ball to wedge, and you know, not just picking up a golf ball out of out of a you know golf store and just going to the golf course. Sometimes mm -hmm. you really got to do your due diligence. Kind of along the lines of uh, Georgia Hall, I asked Yanni Sang the same question. She, she said, I would say amateurs always want to go too heavy or too stiff with their equipment. It really depends on your speed. I recommend amateurs to start with a regular shaft instead. They, she said they want to start with a stiff shaft, and then they hit the ball all over the planet. She said start with a regular, especially if you're a slightly higher handicap, and then if you need more stiffness, if the ball's ballooning or if it's – you know, slice and hook, and then you could try to go stiffer. But I thought that was pretty interesting to kind of start 
from regular and then go up instead of start too stiff and then go backwards. You know what I mean? Because once you get that stiff shaft in your hand, you're less likely to switch. So start with that regular shaft and kind of work from there. Chris, what do you how think? How often about that? do you see? I was saying, ask Chris. Like, yeah, how often yeah. do you see? Yeah, players come in that are playing a, a shaft that is too stiff. I every day. It's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, I mean, realistically, there's, and we've kind of talked. There's on the honest this answer. Before. Yeah. Yeah. It's. We've we've touched on it before that there's no industry standard for flex. So where you have one company stiff is another company's regular is another company's extra stiff. So you do kind of run into that when it comes to flex of shaft versus bend profile, so on and so forth. But it, the majority of players that come through that are having consistency issues and ball flight issues, it's going to come down to a stiffness factor or a weight factor. They're playing something that's more often than not too stiff and or too heavy. And uh, we all know that um, LPGA golfers, they tend to go with more hybrids, more high lofted fairways. I know we've kind of been seeing that trend more on the PGA Tour, but LPGA golfers have been doing this for years. So I asked a bunch of them, you know, why hybrids or why fairway woods over long irons? And again, Yanni saying she was she was giving out the gold. But um, yeah, her answer was I, I asked her why why do you uh, amateurs tend to go with long irons over hybrids and she was like yeah because long irons look better than hybrids but (laughs) it doesn't always perform best and you know she's she's a global golfer she plays all over the uh the world and i thought this part was pretty interesting that um she will go with a long iron depending on the golf course like if it's really windy you know long irons tend to fly a little bit lower a little bit less spin so when it's really windy, she'll go with the long iron. But when she plays in America, she goes with the hybrid because, you know, greens are a little bit faster, roughs a little bit higher, and she can get that trajectory a little bit more spin with the hybrid. So for, for us Americans, you know, maybe we should be looking at, at hybrids. You know, we're not playing on Lynx courses or in Scotland, super windy conditions where we need a three iron that's going to flight like a stinger. You know, we need that height, especially coming out of the rough. I mean... You know, you get a thick line in the rough, you can get a hybrid out there, you know, 150 plus, whereas an iron's just going to come out completely dead and dive out of the air. I keep saying seven woods, get, get you a seven wood. It's, it's good from the fairway, good from the tee, great out of the rough. I mean, hybrids are the exact, the exact same way. Fairway woods actually like the higher lofted one just because it feels like they can, they can really get through that rough um, with, with the wider sole, but. Yeah, I think that's such a great piece of advice. Stop trying to play with with traditional long irons. Go with go with a hybrid. Makes total sense. You, you get more ball speed, higher higher launch, so much easier to hit. Why why, why fight it? It's just funny watching these ladies' face when I uh, when I ask the question about long irons versus hybrids, and they're just like exasperated at why people would even consider long irons. They're like. I mean, we all play hybrids. We're the best ball strikers, you know, in the world, basically. <laughs> and we need that help. So I don't know what amateurs are thinking, um, trying to do that. Personally, I do have long irons in my bag, not a hybrid guy. So that kind of hurt my soul when they're, when they're uh, you know, basically making, you fun of, ma- yeah, making fun of people that have a three iron in the bag. But whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so big shout-out to all those uh, LPGA players. A lot of content will be coming out on golf.com based on these interviews, so look out for that. Um, And thanks to Callaway for setting that up, for giving us time to talk gear with uh, some of these ladies. We've been preaching for a while that we got to talk more uh, to the ladies, so this was our opportunity. Yeah, LPGA is such – you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not fun being out on the PGA Tour. It is. It is lots of fun being out on the PGA Tour. But it just it feels like like the LPGA. You you can walk. And again, I'm I'm talking like pre-COVID. You, I mean, they were they were so approachable. Every time I went out on the LPGA Tour, all those all the players are just so easy to talk to. And you know, you can ask them questions about like their bag setups and you know kind of how it how some of their gear changes might pertain to diameter golfers and they're totally fine answering those questions you don't have to just to carve out time and, and set it up through an agent it's just so easy so 
I, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get that content just again, because their, their gear setups are so similar to what you're going to find if you were to go to your local Muni. You know, that's that's what those players need is, is they need to be watching what's going on in the LPGA Tour. So good I that also you noticed that there. I also noticed that most of them play with uh, 58 degree lob wedges instead of 60, which I don't tell Bob Bokey. Pretty... Because he he'll get on a soapbox about why why golfers shouldn't be using sixty degrees. Yeah, Roger Cleveland's and the same way. Roger Cleveland's the same way. Yeah, they they talk about it all the time. I mean, unless you're unless you're like a really good player, they will preach all day long that you shouldn't be using a sixty. You should be using a fifty six or, or you know at at most a fifty eight. But but working more on the bump and runs and the you know, the standard pitch shots before you ever start worrying about trying to hit a, hit a big flop. I really make all the mistakes that they tell me not to make. I got a so three iron I, in the bag. I got a 60. <laughs> I got a low bounce 60. Like, come on now. Yeah, I'm a masochist. I, I just, I just enjoy making the game way more painful. It uh, makes me feel alive, <laughs> but uh, Okay. So let's let's get into to gear changes out on the PGA Tour. It, it's an interesting week, you know, and I always have kind of wondered why they do this with the schedule. I, I've always felt like they should either play the match play a lot earlier in the schedule or or later. It just feels like a really weird time. It's we're uh, like sandwiched in between. We just have San Antonio next week and then then the Masters. I mean, it just it seems like guys are ramping up for a major, and now all of a sudden they're playing match play and if you end up getting on a run i mean you could play a lot of matches especially in the new format where they where they go into pods i mean you're guaranteed at least three matches and if you ended up getting out of your out of your pod then you're playing you know single elimination at that point but it's a lot of golf to play right before major championship where it usually seems like guys are trying to kind of conserve energy and um, yeah, anyway, I've always just kind of thought about that. And it's also a weird week because the tournament starts on a Wednesday. So from a gear perspective, typically aren't a whole lot of changes going on just because the reps are only in town for, I mean, basically a day and a half. And then the trucks go on to San Antonio. I, I was struck. This, this event is always one of my favorites just because Austin has a really great vibe. But I was driving to the tournament and typically as you get close there's a bridge and you can see it from the i think it's the 13th hole 12th or 13th hole the par five that goes back down the hill mm -hmm. and there's a bridge in the background going over uh going over the lake and it's called the pennybacker bridge and anytime i get close to that bridge it is usually pure gridlock it doesn't matter what time of the day it is austin to me is like the closest thing you're going to get to la in terms of traffic where it's just miserable at any hour of the day but i'm so i'm driving up on monday fully expecting that i'm going to get stuck in traffic rush hour traffic in the morning and there was nobody on the road it's just the weirdest thing i mean again it's it's because of because of covid everybody's working from home okay um even even in you know Austin is kind of like Texas's version now of Silicon Valley. Everybody's working from home. It was crazy. Nobody on the road. I, I just couldn't believe it. But got to the golf course, started kind of looking around, trying to find some changes. And there were a couple of guys that were working on some things this week that, that I kind of thought were interesting. Um, the funny one was Hideki Matsuyama. I saw him on Monday. How many putters? With, with six putters. Yep. Five by the bag, one in his hand. I mean, this we we joke all the time that nobody nobody carries more putters during a practice round than Hideki, but like six is six is excessive. And like, all custom even... Scotties too, all like oh, high yeah. end they custom had, Scotties with the premium material had, too. Yeah, custom custom like they all had the tour head covers. Um, I remember it was probably like four or five years ago. I shot Hideki's stuff and I was pulling off head covers and there were some Cameron putters in there that I had never seen before, like complete one-offs. And it's just, it's wild. And I'm like, you, I mean, Tursky, Tursky talked about it. Like Hideki's got the, the craziest putter collection out there on tour. Like Scotty said, it. not, not just me. That's, Scotty uh, said it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But you, yeah. when you talk to Scotty, yeah. like, yeah. 
Hideki has that collection and he's not afraid to show it off. Like I'm sure he's rotating it like any and all of those putters in and out of the bag. So he was testing putters again. I, you know, I feel like he's a lot like DJ where he does a lot of testing, but he usually sticks with what he knows. That, what, is that, he even te- what is he even testing? Like all these heads look identical. No, like, the tall, they're, they're, the tall hangs some... typically like very similar. The faces are no, there, you're shaking there some your head. Different, there are some, there are some different there are some different putters in there. I mean, there were there okay. were some mouths with like center shafts and oh okay um, he was going yeah with the yeah mallets. okay yeah so he, he's he's testing different stuff but he usually ends up in in his he calls it his ace putter which is the the Scotty Cameron Newport two GSS it's yeah. you know pretty pretty close to to like a Tiger putter but but yeah I mean that's I, usually the one him, that he uh, goes with. I've seen him have testing sessions on putting greens where he just has like four blades that look completely identical. Yeah. Well, he, he had that with, he had that with the driver. <laughs> I, on Tuesday I saw, I saw one of his guys put three, uh, tricks on drivers in his bag and they all had the same graphite design, ADDI shaft. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a difference. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's loft or, or something, but yeah, it's just, the guy is, is excessive with the gear and I love it. Yeah, I love everything about it. Like I, I there's going to come a day where he's going to probably have, you know, eight putters and I'll, I'll like go crazy. So <laughs> Hideki as usual testing, no surprise there. Somebody was joking that I have templates set up. One of them is Hideki testing, fill in the blank. One of them is going to be the next guy here, Rory McIlroy testing, fill in the blank. And this is, this is Rory McIlroy. So on Tuesday, I saw Rory on the, on the practice screen. And if you have been following Rory with the putter, he's been, I wouldn't say he's been all over the place, but he's definitely been going back and forth between a spider X and, uh, and a tailor-made TP Juno. Definitely and searching. The, the, Yes, he he is he is searching. It's it feels like he's trying to find out if he's better off with a mallet or a blade. Went back to the Spider X, but this is an interesting one. It's it's it looks, and I'm still as we're recording this, trying to get final confirmation. But he did get boat raced today by by Ian Poulter in his in his first match. He lost six and five. No, uh, yeah, Pultz. yeah, really. Pultz gave yeah. Macro the business. Yeah, Rory on the third hole, which does not have water on it, by the way, somehow found a pool. Like found oh a pool in somebody's backyard. Yeah, it's. Uh, He's another guy who's been sneaky, struggling a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I was joking with somebody that I was I was texting this morning. I said Rory's going to either shoot eighty eighty and eject at Augusta or he's going to win by 10. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any sort of in between here with, with Rory at the moment, but he decided to go back to the Spider X, but it looks like to me and, and a couple of tailor-made folks think that I'm right. It's the, it's the hydroblast version, the one that where they removed the finish. It's, it's got more of a glare resistant finish to it. And, and it looks like that's what he's using this week is, is that new hydroblast that they just came out with at retail. So back to the Spider X head, but you putter grip and it is in the bag. It's a first for Rory. He went to a Super Stroke Traxian Pistol GT Tour, which is the same grip that Dustin Johnson plays on his Spider Putter. Now he doesn't play the X; he plays the the Spider Limited. But first time this ever is an with the Super one. Stroke. First time ever, and yeah. so like Super Strokes talked about this. Like Rory's tested their product before, but it's never gone in the bag. And so Rory gave it a, gave it a shot. It didn't look like he was rolling it great, although I don't really know if that was the grip as just, you know, I think, again, he's searching right now. But, he but struggles slightly, on the greens, man. Slightly larger, slightly larger grip, but it's still got that pistol shape. So if you look at the back of the grip, it kind of goes into a V, and it, it's supposed to fit here, you know, a little bit more traditional in your hand as opposed to some of the larger super stroke grips that you've seen, which are really supposed to take the hands out of play and force you to use a lot of your bigger muscles. Um, I, I don't know. It's, I, I haven't talked to Rory about it. I'm pretty sure he didn't want to talk about the change after his round, but I mean, Chris, with, with a change like that, if you're going from a very traditional pistol style grip, which is what Rory has always used to a super stroke version. I mean, 
to me, it, it's it's like okay, you're trying you're trying to kind of get your hands out of the stroke. I mean, is that is that what you would probably be thinking as well if you were going to look at at this new change? I mean, for most of the guys, yeah, most of the guys when they are struggling on the greens and struggling with putter, and they make that change going to the larger grips, they're they're trying to take a little bit of tension, a little bit of extra play uh, out of the hands, and also like you had touched on working to incorporate and group in some of the larger muscles in the back and in the shoulders to drive the stroke rather than fast twitch and hands and forearms. So for sure, yeah. that's that's generally what you see guys trying to do when they make the switch to those those larger softer grips. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if we'll see if it gets a run for the rest of the week. This just feels like a time of the year for Rory the way that he's going. I, I could see him showing up for the second match with with the the old grip and a blade putter i mean it, again it just it just sort of feels like any, anything's possible with rory right now um other changes that went on this week saw patrick reed testing a tpt shaft in his tailor-made fairway wood um that's always an interesting one just because you know tpt's had a following out on uh out on the pga tour with, with several guys but Reed's, Reed's obviously a big name with him testing. I mean, he tests a lot. Tursky knows this and, you know, does a lot of testing, but a lot of that stuff doesn't go in the bag. Kind of similar to Rory with, with the grip. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting one. And the, the last one that I wanted to highlight here, Matt Kuchar, he, he made a change to the putter, his, Bet his Betnardi putter. He was going through the garage. And just happened to to find a Bettinardi Kucher Model Two. It's got the variable weight system, and I'm sure you guys have seen it before. You know, typically with with a lot of adjustable weight putters, the weights are found in the sole of the putter. Whereas with the Bettinardi version, they actually place the weights where they're visible at a dress, so they're they're on top of the of the flange. And the reason they did that is actually to shift the CG up so that it's more in line with the equator of the golf ball. And the reason they do this is they said that it actually, they found that it helps produce a truer roll when, when, when the weights are placed a little bit higher. So that this is the, anyway, this is the kind of putter that, that Kuchar's using. You can see the weights on top found in his garage. Like I said, at home, he's just looking for a different visual. So the, the Kuchar model putter that he was using previously was more of a wide body blade whereas this one is a mallet that's literally like he's just looking for a different head shape everything else i was told is the same same uh amount of shaft offset same you know grip same length weight it's just it's just the head but again i wonder how many putters matt kuchar has in his garage if he's just sifting through before heading to austin it's it's probably not hideki level but I would, I would, I would guess Kucher probably has a pretty decent collection of Bettinardi putters. Wouldn't you think? I can't believe he's changing that putter. I mean, think about how much money he's made with that original Kucher arm lock. He's been, he's been struggling though. Kind of sneaky struggling. I, I think that there are certain guys out on tour that, that we just sort of expect are going to like top 15, top 20, even when they're not playing their absolute best. Kuchar's one of those guys that that has been, like I said, I, he missed the cut at the players. He finished T44 in, at the WGC Mexico, missed the cut at Genesis, uh, T42 in Phoenix, missed the cut at Sony. I mean, geez. He, yeah, he's, but see, look, that's, that's my reaction is, geez, like, you, you just don't really notice it because, again, he's, he's usually so consistent, but Again, another guy who, with with Augusta coming up, is is looking for looking for a magic bullet. I mean, yeah. it's it's a, it's a very minor change. Again, more more head shape than anything else, and and the weighting change there with with the weights on top is always an interesting one. That would lead me to believe maybe he's seeing you know a little bit of a truer role with uh, with that putter if he, if he's going to it. But it, it does feel like he's just looking for something to give him a little bit of a kickstart. So we'll see Sometimes if it works gotta out. Sometimes got to switch it up. Switch it we up. Do. I mean, he went 15 years without finishing outside of the top 10. So he's missed a bunch of those cuts. Time to switch it up. 
that's, I mean, it, it is, it is crazy how <laughs> consistent he's been over the, over the course of his career. And again, with, with Augusta coming up, guys start to, I mean, if, if they're not playing well, you're, you're trying to do anything to, to get back on track. Cause you, you definitely don't want to have a trunk slamming week at Augusta. So that's it from tour Tursky. Can we have a quick Man. little honest talk yeah. about the match play real quick? Of course. Let's let's talk let's talk. Like, do you guys hate the new format as much as I do? Like I wish we just had a regular bracket and we could enjoy it like the March Madness. Yeah. Okay. Especially with like so, especially with like Twitter and Instagram. I mean, it would be so much more fun to have one and done right now, especially in this climate. Yeah, but you, you have to remember and and I and I hate sticking up for, for the networks. But oh, you gotta here, remember oh here. here we go. Uh oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna, All right, I'm gonna I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk. Yeah, I'm gonna stick up for the networks here. But Jeez. think about it. Okay, Rory just got just like I said, he, he just got boat raced by by Ian Poulter. Yeah, so bounce he, him out of it, the out of the tournament. He just got blown but out. It but it typically when you do it this way, it, there's there's less of a likelihood that fans are gonna watch because you have those those golf fans who tune in to watch Rory. So at least they know. Even if he loses in the first match, they're still going to tune in on on day two to watch him to watch him play, and that's kind of what I get at is is it you run the risk of losing all the big names again. It's it's two weeks before the Masters. I I honestly don't really think that guys care very much about the match play just because of worse position on the schedule. I think they care more about the the guaranteed check they're getting and the world ranking points. FedEx Cup points, if you want to throw that in there too, but I think they care more about that than they do winning the thing. I mean, if you get if you get to like Saturday and you're playing well, then heck yeah, you're you're you know probably buckling in for to try and win the thing. But it's just it's like if you lose in the first match and in your and you're already in the Masters field, your mind's probably already on Augusta. You just again, I, I think it's in a terrible spot on the schedule. I never liked the old format because you lost a lot of the big names on day one, which yeah, sure. Upsets are great, but in golf, like you tune in to watch the big names. You don't tune in to watch the the guys in the middle of the road. So that's, that's my stance on it. I know you probably got a different one. That's, that's your network heavy take. <laughs> that's that's me putting now. my network hat on. At least Come it's not my on. tinfoil hat. It's my network hat. So. I mean, yeah, NCAA that's, that's March Madness, they run the risk of losing like the, the big teams. I mean, look at this year. Yeah, but that's that's March Madness. The the golf the golf. Yeah, like, make it golf madness. With, I mean, I lo- I loved the original format, bracket system. You lose, you're out. Go home. You got blown out six uh, and five by Poulter. Like, bye, Rory. We'll see you at the Masters, bud. No. Wow. No, I I just I I think it's it's at least like I said, it gives people a chance to watch to watch your favorite player for at least another another day or two. Um, I Chris, get what you're saying. You I mean, Chris, where are yeah, you at? Yes. Yeah. Chris is Can just we get a third party quietly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like he looks like I'm, he's stewing. He's, he's passionate one way or the other. Let's go. No, I'm, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying the back and forth. I, I would have to go with, with Tursky on this one. I would rather Smart see just man. the, uh, just the standard brackets. And if you, if you lose, you lose. Bias. I'm well, no, not necessarily going back to the, going back to the bowling conversation that we had. <laughs> You know, we haven't even talked last about week. the bowling conversation from last week. Yeah, where do you think Nelly How? falls on this argument? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he? No, but I mean, when when we got up into into step ladders and we were uh, we were basically through the cut phase, it was uh, it was a bracket system, and I mean, number one seed bowled the worst seed, and whomever won that match advanced, and that was it. That's the best way to do it. I will say don't this, bail them out. This, if they lose, don't bail Rory out. Now he gets two more matches. Come on, send them well, home. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes like guys play poorly in the first one and end up winning the next two and advancing. So, so you, you do get the guy that like, look, he, he, ha- he had a bad day and he ends up picking it up. The one issue that I have is when you get the two guys on the final day of pod play who haven't won a match you you know they're like completely out of it. Pillow fights, and yeah, I mean, who you're wants to watch? Just, who wants to watch pillow fights? I mean, that in a case like that, like just, it's a handout just match. Shake, shake hands, shake hands, 
call it good, split split the money for whatever whatever you know last place, not winning the match that week is, and, and go home. Those in are the matches, ones. I mean, in I, matches like that, like that specific circumstance, how much side action do you think those guys have on those matches? Oh, what do you ton. think they do? Oh yeah, I mean just just as an example. <laughs> yeah. Just as an example of like the side action, I watched two very prominent players. I'm not going to mention names. Um, this week, 500 bucks on the line to toss a ball closest to toss a ball to the hole on the practice screen. They do that a lot out there. I've been a seeing lot. that. I've been seeing that a lot. $500 yes. throws. Yeah. $500 I won't, I won't throws. say any names either, but those games get yeah. pretty intense. I will tell and you they'll that get the cat. Them... They'll get the caddies involved too. Like it'll be eight dudes yep. tossing balls. Oh yeah. Super and entertaining. One of, one of the one of the guys uh, who I will say is a multi major winner. Yeah. Looked over. Look uh, was asked by another tour player, "Hey, you got my money?" And Ooh. I watched the interaction. I was like, "What money?" And it's like, so they went so went back and forth, and it was about a throw. So they went like double or nothing. Yeah. And the guy who had the money lost. So he's he's going to be uh, pulling out some uh, wad of Benjis coming pretty soon but yeah I, there's got to be a ton of side action in those meaningless matches like i have a, i have a couple of video i have a couple of videos on my phone i mean they'll never ever get released but it's it's actually cool watching those games because they get into it and they're actually pretty good too at throwing the ball not surprisingly yeah. i mean their hand-eye coordination is obviously top tier but pretty fun yeah. it makes me want to yeah, do it it, it makes me want to not 500 throws but five dollar throws <laughs> Five to say, yeah, they, yeah. They, won't, they won't, they'll just, they'll just laugh at you for that. Yeah, Although seriously. maybe they'll take your five bucks, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I get it. I, I get where you're coming from on the format, but you know, you, if the networks are the ones that are, that are showcasing it. I, I get it. Like they want, they want to see, they want to see Rory and some of these guys for, for three days. So me, uh, Chris and Nelly agree. Well. Bring the brackets back. I know. Yeah. Now, not, not Chris, but Nelly is the tiebreaker here. So Nelly I'm, I'm going to, Gonna chalk chalk it up and t- chalk it up chalk it up and take the L. All right, so let's get into this week's interview. Turski, you had a chance to talk to another recent PGA Tour winner, Matt Jones. Yep, Matt uh, Jones. Who? Matt Jones. Yeah, he he was really fun to talk to. If you don't um, if you don't know, I feel really bad if you don't know from. Someone will get it and like it, but um. Yeah, he's like the fastest player on tour. So we talked a bunch about uh, his speed, why he doesn't take practice swings, you know, hurry up people, basically. Um, Love it. Yeah, yeah. He's playing the uh, the TSI two driver instead of the TSI three, and he actually made a recent change to his shaft, which was pretty interesting. And uh, we talked about his old irons. We talked about his advice for amateurs matt jones interview super cool but before we get into it chris you got a special surprise for our listeners i think why don't you tell them about it yeah absolutely so i uh i've got a little promo code for everybody out there anybody that would be interested in coming to see us at TrueSpec, uh all you have to do you can book your fitting online at truespecgolf.com enter the promo code fe50 and that gets you 50% off of any fitting experience of your choice. So, FE50, 50%. That code is FE50. Pretty cool stuff. Let's uh, let's get into that interview. Let's do it. All right, Matt Jones, 2021 Honda Classic champion and the undisputed fastest player on the PGA Tour. Welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the win. That was fun to watch. Um, before we get into some gear, internet's been absolutely praising you about your pace of play. I've long, I've long said the worst thing about golf is people taking forever out there, causing four, uh, six-hour rounds. Do you always play it as fast as you do, and why does that help you? Uh, yeah, I've always played fast. Um, I've never, I've always done it from when I was a kid, um, and it's, I've never changed anything. I tried to slow it down, but. The more I slow down, the more my mind starts to wander. Um, I'm naturally very probably fast-paced. I think quick probably. Um, and it just helps me. It helps me play. Um, once I hit, have a shot that I see and I want to hit, I'll just go and hit and execute it. Um, I'll have a couple of practice swings, and once that's good, and once I have the feeling I want in my body, then I'm I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Do you think amateurs like? 
Do you think that can help amateurs play better if they just play faster, kind of get them out of their own head? Um, I think there's different benefits to it, yes. Um, they, they probably can get out of their own way a lot of the time. They always have a tendency to think about shots too much and what they want to do and where they want to hit it instead of just seeing it seeing a target and just hitting it and reacting. I mean, we're just trying to hit a white golf ball as straight or the shape that you want to hit it. Um, and that's that's my goal. Um, do the shot and just hit it. Mm-hmm. Is it just crazy playing with some of the slower guys out there? Uh, no, not at all. I actually, someone told me that before I teed off when I was playing with JB, but I didn't even notice it. One didn't even notice he was slow because we were still waiting on the group in front of us. So um, I didn't notice JB being slow at all. Uh, I guess I'm I'm pretty used to it because we're always waiting out there a lot. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. I tried to walk a little slower this week, and uh, that probably helped me too. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to ask this question. I uh, I saw you hitting balls at Palm Desert. I'm not sure if you'll remember these specific drills specifically, but um, you had your foot up on one of the tee markers on the range, and it, it kind of looked like you were working on hitting down the ball, and then you threw the ball in like a little down slope. I'm just curious what you were working on there. Um, probably that's, that's just to try and keep my right side high. Um, as most golfers, when we get in trouble, our right side gets low and stuck underneath, and the club gets underneath, and you hit low left, high right. Um, so I was just trying to keep the right side high so to bring the club down from a higher angle onto the back of the ball. Um, if I can keep my right side high, then normally I can hit the shape that I want and the ball flight that I want. Mm-hmm. I know you, uh, you've you done some work with Gary Barter here recently. Um, what, what have you guys been working on? Uh, we work on the same things that we've worked on probably for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, it's always the same things. We uh, are in the fairway bunkers a lot, uh, hit balls out of the fairway bunker a lot. We um, we just try and work on the arms not getting out and the club getting underneath uh, and try and just get the arms and the shoulders and the body working in sync um, and not over-accelerating the arms or the head of the club. Mm-hmm. Um, something we've always done. Um, and it's something I'll always do. I've probably got a couple of drills that I can do every week if I get a little off that uh, help me get back into uh, somewhat of a sequence that I need to be the playing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an equipment show, so let's uh, let's get into some gear. I noticed you're playing the TSI 2 driver, whereas you know most other players in the PGA Tour, it seems like they're playing the TSI 3. Um, what was that fitting process like getting into that driver and what made you end up in the TSI 2 head versus the 3? Um, well, I've, I've used the I've used this shape of head um, for many years now. So it was a very easy transition to go from the last, the previous model to the TSI 2. Um, and it just, it just suits my eye so well. Um, and I can hit the shape of the ball, the shape that I like to hit the trajectory that I like to hit. I can work it high, I can work it low, and I can work it right to left and left to right. Um, so it was uh, it was a very easy transition to go from the previous model to this current TSI 2 model. Mm-hmm. Have you picked up uh, some speed with that new head? I have. Um, I definitely have increased speed. I've changed, uh, I've changed my shaft. I went to a little longer shaft, um, and I've definitely created some more speed, and I've been able to take on some yardages that and carries of that I wouldn't have normally been able to. Um so it's been a it's been a big big boost to my uh my driving performance, uh accuracy and distance this year. Um and that's a big uh, a big help out there on tour. How much longer did you go on the shaft? Did you go up to like forty seven, forty eight like Bryson or uh, no, I, what did, I, mean, what did you do? I just went up I just went one up, went up one inch. I went to 46. Um, and I'm not sure if going to 47 would be worthwhile. There's a point of diminishing return when you get too long because then you mm-hmm. lose accuracy. And and I'm not going to I'm not going to push it any further. I'm very happy with what I've gained. If I want to gain anything else, I'll have to do it with improving my body or my swing technique. Um, mm-hmm. But I have I have it right where I want it to be. I'm very comfortable with the accuracy that I have with the driver. And the uh, the distance that I have. Yeah, after the blowout win, I guess no need to really uh, tinker with that one. 
When it uh, when it comes to the irons, you're still playing the 712 MBs. Um, have you tested new heads out and just haven't found anything you like better, or is there something specific about that older head that you really like? Well, the, the Titleist guys out on tour will know I'm not a fiddler. Um, once I do find something I like, um, I st- I normally stick with what I have. I play the same model Vokey wedge that I've had. Uh, I use the SM8 now, um, but it's still the D grind. Uh, and with the MB irons that I use, still use, um, it's just because it's more so just a comfort for me and the trust in that iron that I have. Um, and it's they're all great ones. The new MBs are phenomenal. I've hit them. I love them. And I was actually supposed to go to uh, the testing facility next week to do some testing to move into some of those irons. Um, I'm going to have to postpone that now that I've got <laughs> a new schedule that I have to take on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up the wedges. I wanted to ask about those. I saw Aaron Dill posted a photo of your wedges on Instagram, and I wanted to ask about that finish. It, it looks pretty unique on there. What is that? Uh, I think he just brushes it with the machine and it comes out a bit like industry look. Um, I love it. I think it's phenomenal. I'm a very, I love how it looks. It's very simple, very clean. Um, and, I mean, he's phenomenal. Because he's the best in the business for a reason. He invoked. Um, and it's amazing. Um, I, yeah, they're the, I trust those wedges pretty much more than I trust anything else in my bag um, because I, I rely on so much short game. Uh, I love short game. I love chicken. And, and that's why I choose choose those wedges. How did you end up switching into that D grind? I mean, you know, Titleist and all the other companies, they have a bunch of different grinds, different bounce options. What was kind of that fitting process to get into that uh, new D grind? Um, it's, it's just how the club interacts with turf. Um, I don't like to take too big of a divot um, when I chip. Um, so I, lo- I love to have bounce on the club to use the ground when I chip a lot. Uh, the leading edge doesn't dig, uh, and it's great out of the bunkers. The sole of that is probably a little thicker, and it has a lot of bounce on it, so it doesn't dig when I'm in the sand either. So I can I can control the ball nicely out of the bunkers with it. Mm-hmm. I know we're on a little bit of a time crunch here, but I want to ask one more question. Um, it's a question that I love to ask pro golfers because I think it's really helpful for uh, for amateurs, because I know they look at the pros for inspiration and guidance on what gear to play. But uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake that you see amateur golfers make with their equipment setups? Um, I would say, well, they see they see what professionals use, um, and amateur golfers, I think, they always think they hit it further than they do. So I would say, not so much the setup if they just have a hundred yards, hundred and fifty yards to a hole instead of hitting a eight iron, hit a seven iron. Uh, they always think you hit it further than they do I find, <laughs> especially the lands. So I would say just flood back every time. And that would be a big help to a lot of them. Okay, that's that's great advice. That's that's advice we hear often, so uh amateurs listen up to that one. <laughs> um Matt, thank you so much. Uh congratulations again on the win and good luck in the Masters. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Matt Jones for the time. That'll do it for episode 83 of Fully Equipped. If you're looking for more gear news, be sure to check us out on social media. We are at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you around.